This is the 10,000 Depositions Later podcast, episode 19. I'm Jim Garrity. Today's episode is a case alert, which is where I talk about a brand new deposition-related court ruling that I think will be useful to litigators. On November 30, just three days ago, a federal judge in the Western District of Pennsylvania allowed lawyers for the plaintiff to retake all seven depositions that had occurred so far because of what the plaintiff alleged was deposition misconduct by defense counsel. I'll put the case name and the details in the show notes for your easy reference. I like to do that because not only is the order generated by a court valuable, but I'll also point you to the different filings by the parties, which contain a lot of useful research and case sites. Now, in this particular case, not only did the judge allow the plaintiff to retake all seven depositions at issue, but he also said that he was going to order the defense lawyer to pay attorney's fees uh, for the time the plaintiff spent on the motion for sanctions with an amount to be determined later. Now, keep in mind that case alerts like these often involve live pending cases. This one does too. That sanctions order is just 72 hours old. So the final outcome of this or any ruling that I cite in these case updates is not yet known. Now, in this particular case, the chief complaint of the plaintiffs was that the defense was making excessive objections during the depositions. Exactly how excessive? Well, a footnote in the order granting sanctions says that according to the plaintiffs, uh, the lawyer representing the defendant made 565 objections during the deposition of one witness, 187 objections during the deposition of another witness, and 170 objections during a third witness's deposition, by example. The entire transcripts of those depositions were not filed with the court, so the judge relied on representations by plaintiff's counsel as to the exact number of objections in each of the depositions that the plaintiff filed uh, to give the court a sense for the kind of objections that were being made. Now let's take a look at some of the objections reflected in the transcripts that were filed. I did take a look at them. Uh, so I'm going to tell you what the objections were, and I picked a number of them at random just to give you a feel for the kinds of things that led to the motion uh, seeking sanctions. I'm not going to uh, quote the question, though. I don't think that's necessary for our purposes today. So let's get started with some of the objections I picked out at random through the filed transcripts. Defense counsel. Objection to the form. You can answer if you know what he means by at the same time. Defense counsel. Objection to form. I think that mischaracterizes what she's testified to. I don't think she's testified that she received verbal directions. She said she shadowed Kim. Defense counsel. Objection is to form. Go ahead and answer if you know what he's talking about by note. Defense counsel. Objection as to the form. I'm not sure that I understood that question, but if she understood it, witness, you can answer. Defense counsel. Objection to the form. What do you mean by standards? Defense counsel. I'm going to object to the form. I mean, we went over this in past depositions. There are several different animals, several different enclosures. Defense counsel. I'm going to object to the form. Come on. She worked there for 13 years and there's a lot of animals. Defense counsel. You can answer if you can. Next objection. Are you talking about the human grade animal crackers that you can buy at the store, a grocery store? Next objection. I think you're mischaracterizing things. I'm going to object, but she can answer if she can. Next objection. Objection to form. You're asking her to speculate. She's already said she doesn't recall any other times, but she can answer if she can. Next objection. Objection to form. I mean, if she can get into their mind, then she can answer that. Otherwise, I don't know how she can answer that. All right. So those are some examples from the transcripts that I picked at random. 
Now, at one point, the plaintiff's counsel suggested to the defense lawyer that he could object to the form alone. Plaintiff's counsel said, you know, anything after that could be construed as coaching the witness, to which the defense lawyer responded, I don't think I'm coaching anything. She's answered. Move on. Additional objections from the defense lawyer that continued uh, in these transcripts. Are you asking her for an exhaustive list? Goes on to say, I'm just asking because if you are, then we should get out the animal list. Defense counsel again, I'm going to object. I think you're mischaracterizing what she said. I think she said any of the animals that are in group settings in an enclosure, but the witness can clarify. So these are just illustrations. There are more in the transcripts that were filed with the court. Eventually, apparently, the plaintiff's lawyer had enough and moved for sanctions. And as I mentioned, the judge granted the motion and allowed the redeposition of seven witnesses that had already been deposed and where these objection issues had surfaced and also ordered the lawyer to pay fees associated with the motion. Now, before I turn to the language of the order granting a sanctions motion, uh, let me ask you this. Do you think those objections were improper? If a lawyer made those kinds of objections in your depositions, would you speak up? What would you do? And how many times would you allow that if you think those objections were improper before you either had an on-the-record conversation with the opposing lawyer about their objections or before you took a break to call the judge or simply stopped the deposition so that you could file an appropriate protective order to uh, ensure that this does not take place in future depositions. Now, for the uh, defendant's perspective, here's what the court summarized uh, that lawyer's argument as in the order. It says, Farmers Inn, which is the defendant, essentially asserts that ADLF's examples are isolated, exaggerated, and or that counsel's objections were necessary and appropriate because of the nature of the questions posed. In addition, it notes that ALDF's motion was not timely brought. It further argues that ALDF, again, that's the plaintiff, has failed to show that it suffered any prejudice as a result of counsel's conduct or that it was not possible to explore any areas of inquiry. With respect to ALDF's offer and its supplemental response to only redepose uh, two named witnesses on specific topics, Farmer Zinn uh, notes that for the most part, its counsel's alleged interference with questions on these topics relates to the depositions of other individuals, not to the depositions of those two witnesses. Farmer Zinn opposes reconvening these depositions as a, quote, second bite at the apple and contends that the most appropriate deponent for the identified topics uh, is another named witness. It also reiterates that ALDF has sustained no prejudice as a result of any conduct at the depositions in issue. So let me read from the order now as to what the court had to say about it. The court finds that the conduct of counsel failed to comport on multiple occasions with Rule 30C2 regarding the nature of objections to deposition testimony and or basic concepts of courtesy and professionalism. As the portions of the transcripts provided by ALDF reveal, and by way of example only, this conduct included multiple speaking objections in which counsel attempted to reframe, clarify, or otherwise interfere with the witness's response to the question asked, even when the witness indicated that she understood the question. In addition, the deposition excerpts demonstrate instances where it appears that counsel raised his voice, told counsel for ALDF to move on, stated that a question was ridiculous, that counsel was on a short leash, and made other unnecessary and gratuitous remarks. Counsel also repeatedly made objections to questions that appeared to be both clear and relevant, 
or were otherwise unnecessary given that all objections other than to form are preserved. Simply put, many of the objections made by Council for Farmers Inn were not made concisely in a non-argumentative and non-suggestive manner as Rule 30 requires. Now, in my judgment or opinion, all or virtually all of the objections that I quoted to you were improper, save for the instances where the actual legal basis for the objection was stated. What's the right way to make an objection? The word form alone? The phrase object to the form? Maybe the phrase object to the form followed by the actual legal basis, such as object to the form leading, object to the form hearsay, or just the legal basis, leading, hearsay, whatever. Much beyond that, and the opposing lawyer is really moving into the area of speaking objections, which are always improper, and uh, coaching the witness, which is just as bad. I thought the plaintiff's lawyer in this case showed incredible patience, probably too much. Remember that there were seven depositions. The plaintiff's lawyer, at least the judge in his order, said the plaintiff's lawyer counted 922 objections in just three depositions that it gave as examples. 922 objections in three depositions. Now, I don't know how long those depositions ran, but there's no way I would allow or you should allow any lawyer opposite you in a deposition to engage in that kind of conduct before you seek court intervention in the middle of the deposition or halt the deposition under Rule 30 and seek sanctions and a protective order to put a stop to it. Now, how many speaking objections like that would I allow in a single deposition before I stop the testimony and talk to the opposing lawyer on the record? Maybe five, maybe less than that. As I've said in other podcasts and in the book, Deposition conduct like this can absolutely destroy the testimony in your case. You can't allow it. The minute you start seeing stuff like this, you've got to call foul on it and have a conversation with the lawyer who's doing it. Now, look, if the opposing lawyer is someone that I think is maybe acting in good faith, maybe isn't experienced, I may cut them a little bit of slack. If I don't think it's affecting the witness's testimony, maybe a little bit of slack. But regardless of motive, if a lawyer continues to engage in speaking objections or coaching style behavior, I've got to bring a hard halt to it. I've got to talk to the lawyer on the record, never off the record about speaking objections or coaching. And if that doesn't work, I've got to seek court intervention, either in the middle of the deposition or by stopping the deposition and seeking a protective order and sanctions. I can't just continue slogging through my depositions, hoping that somehow some way I'll be able to get through the deposition and get the testimony I need. If I allow that kind of behavior, I'm going to get some very weak testimony. I'm going to get witnesses who respond to the objections, who pick up on the coaching, and all of a sudden the witness begins to parrot the objections, and you've all seen it. So all of a sudden the witness doesn't understand the question, doesn't remember, doesn't know, and my case is going to go right down the tube. So that's on me. The deposition room is my operating theater. It's got to be pristine. I cannot have that kind of behavior, those infections affecting what's going on there. I've long said that I have zero tolerance for misconduct of any kind in a deposition, and I suggest you take the same approach. I know you're tired of hearing me say it, but depositions are the new trial. In most cases, neither you nor I are going to have a trial. So if the case gets run into the ditch in depositions because of speaking objections and coaching, that's the end of the case, and we just can't let that happen. Uh, eventually, the plaintiff's lawyer here did the right thing by bringing the depositions to a halt, seeking court intervention, 
getting that order imposing sanctions, and allowing the redeposition of the ones where the lawyers felt uh, that the speaking objections and coaching had affected the testimony. Okay, that's it for now. As I mentioned, I'll post the case information in the show notes, and I'll also point you to the docket entries where you will find the relevant filings from this um, lawsuit. In this case, both the memorandum order imposing sanctions and the plaintiff's memorandum in support of the motion contain some good language and some good case citations that you can use when you run into speaking objections and coaching in a deposition. As always, thanks for listening. Be sure to check out the book, 10,000 Depositions Later, the premier litigation guide for superior deposition practice on Amazon and just about everywhere else you get your litigation practice books.